All right, we're recording. Fantastic. <laughs> Hello, world. Welcome to Elevation Station, or as what we're tentatively calling it right now. We haven't decided on a name yet, but we're zeroing in on it, and we'll do our homework by next week. So, can our intro to this this uh, episode only be uh, Cherry Bomb, since you started out with Hello World? Oh yeah. <laughs> Hello World. <laughs> Bomb. Yeah, that was one of the first, that was like a really interesting bit of information that I learned about you back in the day. <laughs> we had some assignment to like give our like, I don't know, a fight song that you would walk into a wrestling match with. And then you were like, Cherry Bomb. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. That was Starting nice. back. I was definitely listening to that song in the car after you suggested it that day. And thought, wow, what a cool mm-hmm. girl. Wow, what a cool girl. <laughs> what a cool rebellious girl. One day we'll be on a podcast together, reminiscing. Absolutely. Well, today's that day. Uh, so, um, wow, we're on episode five, six, whatever. I think it's five. Five. And uh, uh, when did we start this? In February, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. About February 14th. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah, and now it's ostensibly springtime, and uh, we're not going to talk about the C, B, the C O V I D that must not be named. We are going to talk about springtime mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. rebirth and regeneration. Yes, yes, yes. Because life isn't all doom and gloom, even yes. though outside it is kind of doomy and gloomy. I mean, it's the sun's coming in through my window. Ben's in Olympia. I'm in Seattle. Very Mm -hmm. different. Yeah, we are unfortunately separated, but not in spirit. And I think that when the weather first started getting nice, when this whole, you know, crisis started happening, it was very strange because that was like actually some of the nicest weather of the year up until that point. I felt like like that first week in like Mm -hmm. mid-March, you know, when like society started free falling. And like, it was suddenly simultaneously just a beautiful day and people were still outside, even though, you know, they had to observe all the social distancing and all that stuff. But it was very bizarre because it was the only thing that actually kept the rapid, you know, declining of our society, like tolerable because, oh, well, at least it's really nice out. Um, And so it's a very strange thing to have this all happen in springtime. But as we've definitely noted before, if this had happened in the winter, if we all had to be stuck inside of our houses during like the dead of winter and the darkness, I think it would have been infinitely people, more difficult. People <laughs> say that, but you know, it might have made it more bearable to not have to go, not really want to go frolic with your friends and picnic out on the lawn. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this thing probably would have gone away quicker because people are not tempted to go hang out outside or at a beach at a park or there's like less holidays during like if this had happened in like November or something uh-huh. it would have been perfect because everyone just kind of stays in their house anyway but because this is like springtime and all these like events are taking place or all these planning presumably to take place um and yet anyway so it's a very strange time for the spring to arrive and I think on today's episode, we want to dwell a little bit more on the regeneration, uh, rebirth, renewal, <laughs> fertility, all these sort of universal springtime themes in human culture. And I'm sure we'll probably uh, 
talk about how the current crisis is overshadowing all that and maybe redefining and replacing some of that. But uh, yeah, but we must refer to it as the C, the C virus that must not be named. Mm -hmm. The beep nineteen. Uh huh. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's cut to the chase here. I was watching Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, great show, the other day um, to de-stress uh, from looking endlessly for scholarships and grants for grad school, which is kind of mind-numbing. Um, I'll tangent about that later. Uh, but um, yeah, they uh, it's a very silly show, uh, which I completely recommend. Uh, and just... Uh, reminded me that, uh, oh yeah, it actually is like one of the most glorious times of year when we are released from the, the chains of eternal winter and uh, we see a glimmer of hope on the horizon and we feel this strange tingling sensation on our skin. Uh, Where? Where? And, 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 you know, you're, you're sitting on your porch and you're like, what is that? feeling on my shoulders oh is that is that warmth is that Did i step on a wasp's nest <laughs> not quite that that feeling but uh <laughs> oh my god i i didn't know that there could be external warmth i thought that the world was cold forever um and we're reminded that actually it is a beautiful place this is actually one of the most beautiful places i think to live in the continental united states um Maybe Alaska excluded. I mean, everywhere has its own beauty, but this is a legitimately beautiful place to live mm -hmm. in the springtime. Yeah. See, this is Fiona's southern roots coming out, being like, I haven't felt, it has to be at least like 90 degrees for me to like, you know, wear sandals or something. At like, least 90. She's just like perpetually like cold, like an old lady is. Okay. And then, my dude. What? Um, it's like 40s regularly. So I don't know what this whole uh, giving me, uh, it, it's 49 right now. It's 49 degrees right now. Not in the now. sun it's not. And it never breaks the 40s until maybe July, one day in July, it, it hit above 70. So first of all, last year was, I think, a abnormally cool summer, but like, it's been like anything north of 70 like even like if like in the 70s you're going to say oh it's not quite hot enough for me so you might say that now but i know you know how ridiculous you really are when it really comes down to it but hey that's okay we're all acclimated to the places that we came from i get it i get it for me you know as a as a native northwesterner you as a southerner transplant like i feel like the winter has always been like this like challenge that I always felt that like I was uniquely up to the task to <laughs> to like you know to weather um and to the point that I get what is referred to as like reverse seasonal depression whereas like when the sun is out I'm suddenly reminded of like how glorious like the world could be the possibilities of all the things I could be doing and traveling and seeing and just kind of basking in life a little bit more um, whereas I'll always have to be stuck indoors during sunny days because sunny days show up, you know, you got to be at work, you got to do what you got to do. But then suddenly when the sun comes out, everyone in the Pacific Northwest feels like morally obligated to like go outside and like absorb their like con de continuously decreasing amounts of vitamin D. And so when the sun comes out, I feel like we just appreciate it more maybe 
than uh, the Southerners who just want it to be, you know, back to 90 degrees uh, where they feel comfortable again. See, we are grateful for whatever sun that we are given. <laughs> I don't yeah, know why I'm like, I'm like, ha- I'm like hating on the Southern people. So, but I feel like, so like North, the, the Northwest spirit is just like, if you were like born here, like just dealing with seasonal depression or reverse seasonal depression or just being like having that lack of sun is just like part of you and part of the expectation but then like once the spring really comes i mean that is like the best time to be in the pacific northwest i feel like so So we agree we agree Mm -hmm. that spring is wonderful Mm -hmm. and we're here to talk about spring Mm -hmm. and uh i don't know people have different ways of celebrating throughout time in memorial and uh not that everywhere in the world has uh has four seasons but uh, in the places that do, uh, I think there is a definite observation of this turn from darkness towards the light. Um, and uh, yeah, so how do you, uh, how have you celebrated the springtime? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I guess I'll start off. Mm, so yeah, I grew up uh, as part of a Jewish family, and we would do Passover. Passover was our was the sort of Jewish holiday of springtime returning. And well, it's weird because it it's always kind of lodged that way because it's grouped together with like Easter, and all these you know the spring equinox. I mean, there's many different holidays that that serve this purpose. But mm. so I mean, Passover. There are aspects about Passover that refer to the kind of regenerating natural cycle of springtime um but a lot of passover is also about like (laughs) like freedom and slavery and it's essentially like the jewish people freeing themselves as being slaves from egypt right Mm -hmm. so the story is much as we free ourselves from the chains of winter yeah Mm -hmm. that is true that is true yeah yeah um but also i don't know i was thinking about like the the 10 you've heard of the 10 plagues right Mm, yeah, wasn't Locust like one of the most famous ones? Uh, they're all pretty famous in their own right. Yeah, so there's blood, fro- blood in the river, frogs. Oh yeah, the frogs. The wild beasts, um, uh, darkness, uh, death of the firstborn, and, uh-huh. uh, boils. Uh, so, so anyway, it's very interesting. Like Pop being quiz. part of being part of springtime while there's a pandemic going around, while simultaneously a big aspect of celebrating this springtime era uh, holiday actually has to do with like plagues, you know? Mm. Um, And so there's this really interesting article that I'm gonna read a few passages from. Uh, This is sent to me via the New York Times, some lady that I've not heard of, but it's just really interesting. And I'm gonna read some parts of of it to you. Maybe you can just like respond to it. Okay. Okay. So the power of Passover during a plague. And I know we keep saying we're not going to like reference the virus and all that shit, but like, you know. We Just can... refer to it as uh, the, the C. The, the C word? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't use the C word as uh, frequently as the British do, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. This year, Passover falls at the beginning of April, 
smack in the middle of what some experts estimate will be the peak of the C-word pandemic in America. It's not just the timing of the holiday built around the retelling of the Jews' exodus from slavery in Egypt that feels off. It's that every aspect of its story and rituals now seems almost cruelly ironic. The Passover Seder centers on the experience of being thrust out of our homes, but these days we feel trapped inside of them. The story involves miraculous plagues that, that saved us. Today, we pray for that and for that for the end of one. There's the commandment to clean our homes of all non-Passover food, which we just spent innumerable hours and dollars hoarding. Mm. Um, yeah, anyway, there is still, there's, uh, there will still be Passover. Indeed, I've come to think of Passover as the stem cell of the Jewish people, a reserve of core source material with the proven ability to generate new meaning and solace in circumstances even more extreme than what we're living through now. Uh, now they're talking about how he's disappointed that we can't, you know, be with our families, blah, 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 blah. Um, there's um, kind of like the origins of like the Passover story about how like um, two people, or there's basically two different, uh, oh yeah, there's basically two different segments of the Israelite society in which Passover meant two different things, right? Mm -hmm. For the semi-nomadic part of the community, it was a signal that it was time to start moving again. But before doing so, they would sacrifice a lamb to ward off evil spirits that might block their path. Intent, maybe we can talk about sacrifices down the road here or on the podcast. Um, yeah, for the settled folks, it was an agricultural holiday, a joyful welcoming of the incoming spring harvest, right? Something that we'll probably dive deeper into as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's a weird holiday in that like Passover is a holiday about actually like completely uprooting your life and being totally nomadic and your way of life effectively ending because of uh, plagues, because of like society, because of, you know, plagues, i.e. forces in nature totally beyond our control and also power relations of master and slave and this breaking of those like deeply rooted societal foundations and relationships of like slave to master, right? So really interesting kind of combination of like social forces and natural forces all coming together in this really like potent world shaping, world shifting uh, holiday that we commemorate. Yeah, and it's like we can, uh... That's why these traditions stay relevant through the ages, because we make them relevant and we adapt them to our current world situation. And so I thought the one about, uh, what was it? What was the one about hoarding food or something? Um, I mean, you, you have a feast and everything, but the, the um, author referenced uh, hoarding food and I forgot her point there. But like, Right. And now well, we like clean, clean like, our houses of like leather. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> um, we are uh, imperfect in our yeah vibrations. Um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. So, what do you um, what do you did a family member share that with you? Yeah, yeah, it got sent through by a family. So every single year, our family does like a Passover Seder, and this year we're going to, for the first time, break that, uh, I don't know, 20, over almost 30-year tradition and um, have a remote Passover, I think, on Wednesday. I think it's going to be my family, maybe my cousins, and maybe like two other families. So it's not going to be like a full 
the full group of people that usually gather together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll mm-hmm. just eat some food and drink some wine. We're like required to like eat certain things, like the matzah, the unleavened bread that we were forced to make uh, on the fly uh, to kind of symbolize like very quick and like. It's funny because at all these like harvest springtime festivals, there's always like an emphasis on like bounty, on being very land rooted, um, kind of like a refer a, a you know recycling of a world of abundant resources, right? Whereas Passover is very much like we eat matzah to commemorate the fact that we were halfway out the door and on the fly. We eat uh, you know the like maror, which is basically like a kind of pasty textured um thing you eat on the matzah with like has like sliced up apples and and other stuff in it that i can't remember right now but um Mm -hmm. to commemorate the like the like bricks and mortar of like the hard labor that we would do and we eat uh like a lamb shank bone uh or we don't eat the lamb shank bone but we eat the lamb that's around the bone um because we would like put the like blood of a lamb of a lamb above the doors during the final plague, death of the firstborn, to like indicate to uh, you know God or whoever that like this is a Jewish household. Please don't kill our firstborn. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, some real, real, real metal shit. Yeah. Real metal shit. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what it's gonna take to get rid of this plague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, population I, decrease. Absolutely. I have to read you something funny. Actually, you ever heard of uh, Pat Robertson? No. You ever heard of Pat Robertson? Okay. Enlighten me. Well, Pat Robertson, he's he's like this old um uh like pastor guy. He's like one of the first like tel- televangelists. Uh he's just some like kooky pastor guy, but yeah, he's one of the most famous pastors of all. So, okay, during an you know, he's like 90 years old or whatever, some kooky guy. Uh he he previously blamed 9/11 on witches and lesbians. I mean, this is guy this is the guy he's spoken at like the Republican yeah. National Convention. I mean, he's he's an icon. Mm-hmm. So, during an appearance on the 700 Club, Pat Robertson blamed the coronavirus on oral oh. sex. Oral sex. Oral sex. <laughs> oh, I well, thought you were going to say anal sex. No, no, no. Close, so close. Because the CDC like went as far as to like say, I think they even like explicitly said like, don't do anal now, guys. Be transmitted through the butthole. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's, there's going to be any like coronavirus affairs happening now. Um, but there's, there's been an article written about that already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we can talk about that later. Quote, some of these young'uns are doing all kinds of unnatural oh, no. things with their <laughs> sex organs, said Robertson. Oh, no. They do that. They transfer all kinds of chemicals from ladies' private parts. And that's where I think this virus came from. We never had this kind of thing when I was coming up, but no one was committing oral sex back then. Okay. Um... <laughs> Wow. Tangent. Bit of a tangent. Sorry about that. I just had to bring that up. Right. No, that's, that's, uh, that sets a picture. Um, committing oral Yeah, sex. committing. Uh, yeah. They're very <laughs> choice words. Um, uh, chemicals from our organs. That's if you ladies had just, like, kept in check your private parts, this would not have happened. So I hope this is a time for a deep reflection for you and your entire gender. Yeah, this kind of makes me think of that Buffy episode we watched where the, the sexy teacher is actually a praying mantis and she's like releasing all these like um, uh, pheromones or whatever to like lure her male students in so she can then like mate with them and then bite their heads off. 
a great episode. Yep. 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 <laughs> on a journey right now. Yep. Um, anyway, so I think where do we, how did we come from that again? Well, so uh, yeah, these are some, some good cultural, uh, culturally relevant parallels uh, to timeless traditions. Um, how, what, what is the meeting space y'all are using to, to celebrate Passover? Zoom. Virtually? Zoom? You're going you're gonna to Zoom it. Mm-hmm. With like 10 people, 20 people? Oh, it'll probably be 10 at most. 10 at most, yeah. So no no gatherings above 10 even on Zoom. Uh, obviously, whoever shows up will show up. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I think that People can obviously use uh, use current events however they see fit to push push their agendas, and um, I am definitely more more interested in in how I mean as interesting as that is, I'm I'm interested in uh, how we like are getting a taste of the season. Like you mentioned, some values that. Jewish people uplift at this time, one being like freedom, one being um, community, which is at the heart of like any sort of religious ceremony, food, blah, blah. Um, And I was looking into uh, a pagan celebration, which uh, I've definitely only dabbled in. I would not say I'm a practicing pagan, but... um, What is this ritual? Well, we had um, uh, even uh, pre-Judaism, Christianity, whatever, we had uh, the people who had these uh, earth-centric, earth-based religions um, getting together for their, uh, at, at this time of year, to celebrate uh, Germanic divinities um, from whom uh, we actually get the name Easter. Um, so we have Ostera is a goddess, a Germanic goddess of the dawn and of like spring. Um, and she's like character personified as like the bringer of light and people would light some bonfires and have a feast and have a grand old time welcoming in the spring. (laughs) Um, and I, uh, I've never celebrated this, but I'm very uh, interested in particular about how these, like, um, how these religions just sort of came together and borrowed from each other's traditions way back when, and how we get to where we are now, both linguistically and traditionally. Mm-hmm. So, can, I admit, can I admit something to you? Yeah. I, I, I don't even know what, like, pagan means, specifically. Like, I feel like, is pagan just, like, a blanket category for all pre-Christian beliefs, basically, or all polytheistic earth-based religions? Like, there's, like, you know, the Vistagoths and the, the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the Druids and the, all, all, like, mm-hmm. are those all pagans, like, categorically? It's sort of like there's, like, a, like a genus and a species. And a... Yeah, I've always understood it as... Pagans were just anyone who was outside of 
the 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 big like main three religions of like Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. So, uh, and they they were mostly like earth based religions before all those religions came into the fore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, I mean, still ongoing. Many people identify as pagan. So yeah, it's just like an umbrella term for anyone who's not part of those three main religions. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. So, not necessarily earth based, but so so this. Uh, what, sorry, what's the name of this again? The uh, ritual. Oh uh, well, the um, this is one of the um, one of how many are there? Uh, like eight. Yeah, there. I think there are eight. Um, eight Wiccan celebrations throughout the year. So uh, it's it's one of the eight Sabbaths of the year. Um, and uh, it's the springtime ritual called okay. Ostara. And they're welcoming a new goddess? Is that what's going on? It's it's rooted, uh, yeah, in, in this, like, celebration of a goddess um, who was the bringer of light and spring and whatever. Hmm. And so, yeah. like... Are they welcoming her because she was gone? Is that so? Like spring was gone when she was gone, but now she's back, which is why spring is back. Is that like? Yeah, you know, I didn't actually find a lot on her story. the The internet, in my like really brief research yesterday, because I wanted to sound really smart talking about this history, um, my reading just showed me that like this early seventh century monk named Bede, like, was the first one who ever wrote about her. And was just like, yeah, these pagans are into this, like, Germanic goddess. And I didn't actually get to her story, but she's characterized as just, like, a lady showering down, you know, very direct, like, light rays onto the Roman people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Nice. So, anyway. Spring equinox. But any, so it was very fascinating to me. in this uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina episode because they had this whole uh, split between the pagans and the satanic witches, which it's all very tongue-in-cheek. Like, they're all uh, satanic, a satanic, like, witch coven. Um, and they were, the, the witches, uh, the coven that Sabrina's a part of was celebrating the hair moon, which a lot of these moons every full moon has its own like name and, and like celebration. And so they were like celebrating the hair moon and the pagans were all like, Oh, we're older than you. We've been around since the beginning of time and we celebrate Ostara. So I didn't, I didn't, uh, apparently I, I read in this article that that is, um, that's a totally like false dichotomy that pagan, that people who identify as like Wiccans, um, don't like celebrate Ostara like that's that's just a a general like pagan tradition that you can celebrate that or you can celebrate the hair moon like it's all just whatever's you can celebrate a full moon and you can also celebrate the spring equinox they're not mutually exclusive Hmm. okay (laughs) see to me that got me thinking about like like satanism Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm sat- I'm satanic versus I'm pagan, you know, mm-hmm. and how those two have been, I don't know, sometimes fuzzy and culturally interchangeable in our collective reference, or as you know, 
religious institutions view those two things as like one of the same, right? And I read that Rosemary's baby was to blame for that in a large part. Rosemary's baby like conflated the two. I've mm. never watched the movie, but it was like, oh yeah, w- Wiccans are like Satanists. And it's like, no, that's like, that is a religion, but it's mm-hmm. not Wiccan. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So anyway, so, you can, you can yeah. be Wiccan or a Satanist or whatever. It's all a subset of pagan. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, so maybe this is a whole different episode, but I was like thinking about like Satanism as this kind of bookmarked stand-in for how Christian dominant societies viewed paganism or even how like self-declared pagans or like anti-Christian people viewed themselves when mm-hmm. they, they didn't have the full access to the like cultural, uh, you know, record of like what these religions were but they knew that they were like against the church they were Mm -hmm. for science or they were for kind of earth-based worship structure and all they knew was that well satanism is like anti-church you know so we'll just sort of like roll this into one thing or the like church like viewed satanism as the as the anti-christ or like the anti-god interchangeable as like paganism you know, and yeah. that's the beginning of the completion of the two. Yeah, and it's very telling that they needed to like frame the antithesis of Christianity in turn, still in, in within the own, their own like mythos of like yeah. heaven and hell. When yeah. it's like, um, what was inconceivable to them was relig- were religions that were polytheistic that just like celebrated many gods. Yeah, that was like, oh, we're not going to even touch that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, Catholicism is basically polytheism, I think. But is it? Or what? I, they 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 worship and pray the to saints. Trinity, right? Well, oh, no, the the saints, saints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the question is like, can you have multiple powerful entities? You know, even in like Judaism, there's like angels. Like angels exist, and they're very powerful. They don't have free mm-hmm. will. That's the difference between like humans and and, and angels in like Judaic uh, lore, right? But there's still a distinction between angels and gods, right? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's 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 unclear at best if like oh all humans become angels in uh, you know live laugh love version of Christianity. Um, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> you think <laughs> all aborted babies become angels? Like mm, that's uh, very unclear. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Even in even in make believe rules. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. But another big distinguishing feature, which is uh, you know, uh, which was um, uh, really honed in on during the Salem witch trials and other witch trial, other witch persecutions throughout the ages, was uh, that um, there are female deities. That are worshipped, and in in fact, like Mother Earth is the is like the be all is the big one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's rep, she's a personified as a feminine deity. So um, yeah, I and and Mother Earth, the Moon, fertility, abundance, creativity. These are all like big sort of hallmarks of Wiccan. Right. Yeah. Do you think that like springtime based? So, okay, let's, let's, I feel like paganism has its sort of strongest moment, either 
unconsciously or consciously in popular culture within the springtime religious mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, like, okay, eggs, for example, like the, like, Easter shit. Like, that is, like, unmistakably, like, a pagan thing, right, with, like, eggs. But then at the same time, if you do believe, I feel like some of our um, kind of, uh, like, draw to paganism is built on our being turned off rightfully so, of maybe, like, the three main religions, I think Christianity in particular. Um, But at the same time, like, uh, can't, like, paganism itself be, like, a stand-in for something different? Or is there something universal about, uh, like, earth-worshipping, rejuvenation, harvesting, even, like, deeper than what we would call the old pagan religions which even in like geo geological time or like historical or prehistorical time are pretty new you know so i'm sure there's like religions that existed way before even the earliest recorded pagan religions that were still like earth centric right yeah but i think they just get like grouped together as like well that's all pagan because we're living in like a the monotheistic centric world (laughs) Yeah. You think like, uh, you know, thousands of years from now, they'll just group all the monotheistic religions as like, oh, monotheists. They won't even differentiate between between Christianity and Judaism and Islam. Yeah. Those were the Lagans. The Lagans? What? I don't know. (laughs) I'll come up with some word. (laughs) Yeah. The the Ligers. The Ligers. (laughs) Um. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't catch. Was there a question there? Or <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there was a question. There, <laughs> there was thoughts. Thoughts. Yeah. 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 Um, um. Shoot. All right. Well, I think I lost it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I I think at this time of year, it, it's it's admittedly harder to get into the spirit of celebrating springtime and the earth uh, when it's a frigid, inhospitable climate. But mm-hmm. um. Uh, I think people just get really happy when they see all the colors and the flowers around, like we've been putting bouquets out and Mm -hmm. that these are all like little ways that people are celebrating the earth. And I don't really care how the, how you do it, like do it under the auspice of Christianity, do it under the auspice of Wiccan, Wicca or whatever, but like you, you are at the end of the day recognizing and giving thanks to uh to the bounty of the earth Mm -hmm. and um i thought the other day like uh when this all hit with coronavirus um how interesting it is that the earth is like rioting in flowers as we are like hunkering down and uh besotten with disease and uh the frailty of our species like it's a very conflicting time to be thinking about like abundance and fertility Uh and even when i see like people posting their like baby bump bump pictures or they're like we just got engaged photos i'm like Uh now now really (laughs) like shouldn't we be like going into like scarcity mindset but Uh i don't know that we should like that's that's maybe not a good mindset to be in yeah i think it's a partially maybe a stubborn act of defiance you know they want to feel normal and so yeah 
keep on getting married, keep on having babies. Somebody had a, a coronavirus wedding where they like stood six feet apart and like blew each other kisses. Like that was a media. Yeah. See, that's, yeah, that's kind of a gimmick at that point. Just, dude, just yeah. wait a few months, you know, or, you know, even just wait, wait half a year, like whatever. Just have a, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to like go through the trouble to even get married, why don't you just get married? Just wait a few more months, right? If you're just spending the rest of your lives together, what's a few more months? Yeah. But like how, I don't know, how can we get in touch with some of these? Or, or are they even relevant? Like should should we be like changing according to the times? Like how, how could we be uh, getting in touch with these uh, ideas that pagans and um, Jewish people and Christian people um, and Islamic people celebrate of like abundance and fertility and rebirth? Like, do we, do we get into that now or, or is that do we postpone uh, it? foolish to, to be celebrating at this moment? Mm-hmm. Is there any room to celebrate that? Do you think that there's more reason to celebrate it now, ironically, because of our current situation? Like the earth going on in a kind of celebratory victory lap at our absence, you know, all these like animals and flowers blooming and wandering more freely than they ever have before, which is true because they are. Um, mm-hmm. And I like, think about how like cool it is that like all these animals around us are like, wandering more freely than they are. But then of course, without, you know, sliding into kind of eco-fascistic, uh, you know, desire for our complete absence. It's like, Oh, look, like, earth is finally like healing itself because we're gone and i'm like no like it's this it's a system that is suddenly on pause right now not like poor people that are oh there were, there were just less hordes out there of uh poor humans and there'd be like more room for the elk to wander or something you know? yeah i think that can easily transgress into a dangerous territory of uh um just uh oh yeah well we want fewer humans in the world so uh it it can easily become like uh racist classist um culturist i don't know people will be like yeah all these people having so many kids we gotta they're the problem so yeah uh what was your question (laughs) it was just uh celebrating all these traditions that celebrate abundance and fertility how, do we make room for that now, or yeah, uh, yeah. or is that just a bygone of a bygone era? Should I we think be rethinking and reframing. I don't know what you think. I think yes, as long as we don't hyper individualize our response and reactions to it, right? Like even with the whole thing around social distancing. Sorry, I know I'm referencing it, but. But um, this obsession, even rightfully so, on on our personal vigilance at keeping social distance and then shaming people that are not doing it as if, like, Mm -hmm. it's all on them as individuals when, like, it should not be. It should be more on the responsibility of, like, you know, people who, like, hold the purse strings of our, of, like, uh, all this capital that is just being, like, hoarded or just given and being dissolved into thin air in like 24 hours if we're bailing out an industry you know all these people that 
all the people in leadership, all the psychos who are in charge of us right now that should have a, a month earlier at least like took this more seriously. And now because they didn't take it seriously, we have to take it seriously, which means we should take it seriously. But I think we should also like keep our eye on the ball, meaning that like, yes, there's a limited amount of things that we can do, whether that's social distancing or mutual aid or personally taking the time to smell the flowers and enjoy the springtime as an, as an individual kind of like making sure that we are personally uh, giving our thanks or at least giving our appreciation to the natural world rejuvenating, uh, replenishing itself. But if we don't have, you know, the social structures in place from the top down to deal with it, it's all just going to be, uh, you know, typical. Like, why do you, why should you care to smell the flowers if you can't afford rent? You know? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that in all the, like, calls I've been on, um, the movement building, the teach-ins, whatever that people are having, they're really emphasizing that like um, this this is a moment pregnant with possibility. I think I, we used those exact words on our last episode. So, <laughs> but uh, once again, with the fertility metaphor, that's good. Yeah, let's take it and run with it in the direction of um, access to resources for people and there we are like living in a society of abundance actually and in a world of abundance and um i know that our resources are finite to some degree but uh there if if we can all like uh come out of this moment with a little bit more access then yeah there's going to be a great cause for celebration <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I think uh, birth as a metaphor for a societal transformation is something that I'm definitely here for. Partially because giving birth is one of the most painful things in all human experience. So uh, true. <laughs> there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And being aware of, uh, of the role of, um, the role of uh, our groups uh, in doing that, our and and our institutions. I don't know. They they should they should also play a role in that. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I have like a stand up desk right now. So I'm just like pacing around while thinking. You have a stand up desk. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're so hip. <laughs> Oh my god. I'm walking That's down the stairs now. Oh Jesus. Okay, yeah. We shouldn't do recorded meetings. We I know, I know. <laughs> We're just staring at each other, making funny faces. Uh -huh. uh, I had a oh yeah. I was gonna say all the things that you mentioned like got me thinking actually about I think it was our second uh episode. We asked a question like does your foundation in ecology as like a spiritual pursuit or, a sp or, or, or an object of like spiritual fascination enhance your ability to be a more effective political, uh, you know, unit, like a political actor or a mover, an organizer, or an activist? Like, do, do you need to have a stronger foundation in the spiritual aspects of the things that you are, you know, trying to save to be a like more effective version of it? I say no, but I think you definitely, I don't know. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. Then we get into a whole discussion about 
spirituality and uh, it can hone in on that word. But I think uh, I, I view it more broadly, like spirituality can just be like literally connecting with spirit or passion or uh, energy. So uh, mm. just, yeah, we definitely need to have some root to our motivations for getting involved. Um, and uh, I think that it's really, it's really hard to find um, those roots in environmental activism, in particular living in a city. Like I, I feel very apart from the earth, even though we have a wonderful backyard that has a beautiful garden. I love, uh, whenever I make time to go out there, it's great. And I like, like going on walks and I, we have to do a whole episode on like what nature means and everything, uh, but, uh, cause nature can be found in the smallest crevice in the forgotten lot in a, in the corner of a city. But, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it, it's a little, it's a little hard living in the city connecting with all that. And I think I've, I've gotten to connect with an entirely different feeling of like, everyone should have access to the things, the, the pieces of the earth that we all touch, i.e. air, they should have access to that. Like we are like still interacting with all the elements. In you don't day touch day. air, but yeah, I totally see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> air, water, fire. Um, <laughs> I touch fire every day. Yeah. yeah. And to some, some level we are still interacting. We're not that far removed. We, we've just changed it a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you feel like you appreciate this time of the year, or do you feel like you would appreciate this time of the year more if you were like around nature more? Because yeah, I mean, you live in like Northgate in Seattle right now, and that's there's not as many uh, kind of immediate reminders of nature as there are maybe in like my big yard in Olympia. Um, it's 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 a pretty big yard. It's a great yard. It's fantastic. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> you have your uh, book sounds at night. It's wonderful. Like, I'll, I'll tell you, I appreciate it a lot more than I probably would have if I lived in Seattle. But I also feel like you are also a more appreciative and noticeable person with that stuff than I am. So maybe you do just like, you know, you look at the moss. You like moss. Like, Isn't the moss <laughs> well, cool? I'm like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> well, you didn't grow up in the South. We don't have as much moss as y'all have up here. It's a much wetter climate. And so it's it's striking how much moss there is here. What's uh, your... What's your favorite, sorry, I just asked you another question. What's your favorite part about springtime in the South that reminds you of springtime? In the South? Oh my gosh. So, oh God. There's just uh, this line of, um, what are they? I think they're apple blossoms. Like just, I mean, flowers, obviously. It all comes back to flowers. Like we just have this beautiful wisteria that blooms all over the city. Like you go by these vines, these just like brown dead looking vines for most of the year, covering up all of like the, you know, very dilapidated neighborhoods and whatever. And then come May, bam, everything's purple. And it's like, oh my God, this was here all along. Um, so it's just color. It's, it's like the Diwali of the year. There's just like, um, I don't know. That's not, that's everywhere though. That's everywhere where there's like flowers. I've heard the desert in spring is gorgeous. Um, but the South, I don't know. We, we have a lot of wisteria and beautiful dogwoods and, uh, yeah. 
bringing you back. It's beautiful, well, but I, well, I lived in a much more natural environment there, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that. So, yeah. Um, Life of lived experiences there. Uh, so it's 6.03, did you need to, did you have a harder cutoff point right now for when you needed to go? You said from like five to six is your only window. Um, yeah, I'm extending it. It's fine. Okay, cool. We can get in the full hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we've been recording for about 48 minutes or so. You got to take out these parts. This is fine. This is chit chat. It makes us more relatable. <laughs> these are the this is the guts of our podcast filler we're doing it on this well this is what happens when we start recording like immediately like which is fine yeah actually also my computer is about to lose power and my cord is downstairs oh well we can end here <laughs> sorry uh unless you just want to keep talking i can run down and get it uh yeah that's fine okay uh, we talked about spring, spring yeah spring. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, okay. Let's see. How should we end this? Uh oh. Um. Oh, I did want to read one of the rituals. Yes. Uh. So, if you're looking for ways to celebrate spring, you can. Uh. Here is a simple ritual that you can do. You can take a cleansing bath. Imagine yourself in the ocean, the womb of all creation. Collect bouquets of daffodils, crocuses, primroses, and birch branches. Set a table for a light feast of asparagus, spinach, green onions, and other spring greens for your group of friends or a new love. Uh, they go through several crystals that are uh, most beneficial to gift at this time uh, to act as a spring talisman. Um, and uh, yeah, just uh, find ways to stir the mind and soul into action. Hmm. Okay. That's that's a very specific list. Be in a place you've seen before that calms you and restores your energy with the energy around you. That is the essence of spring. Nice. Returning in a way. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Anyway. <laughs> well, I hope to return soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not too bad up here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> we don't know how to end these things yet. We also don't even know how to say goodbye to each other in real life. So it's good. You get to watch it in real time. Chimster sure is riveting for all. Um, yeah. Well, we'll be back next time with more and, uh, hope y'all get to socially responsibly uh, appreciate and observe spring. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Go roll in the grass. Have a picnic mm -hmm. in your backyard. Exactly. With just you. So just sit alone on a swing set. I'm just kidding. They closed down the playgrounds. Don't do that. Yeah, they put caution tape around all the playgrounds. Yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. Somebody actually, you know, was paid to go do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Imagine being stuck with kids right now. Anyway, rejuvenation, facility, mm. good stuff, good stuff. Mm. <laughs> time yeah. and a place, time and a place, people, come on. Uh -huh. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay, well, signing off, I guess. Yeah. Again. Sounds good. Okay, bye-bye, until next time. Bye.